if you'd asked me before that, I would say I would never be able to get through that. No, my pain tolerance is so low. There's no way. I was the mama that was like, give me the epidural. I was that person. Whereas going through it, I'm like, holy shit, if I can get through that, throw it at me. There's nothing I can't do. It's time to create a life that's better than your dreams with the I Heart My Life show. I'm Emily Williams, the founder of I Heart My Life and your I Heart My Life show host. This is your one-stop shop for all things personal development meets lifestyle. So pull up a seat, get out a pen and a paper and get ready to learn. Hi, Natalie. I'm so excited to have you on the I Heart My Life show and to dive into your world and everything that you're doing present day. I find you so inspiring. I know that we've become friends over the years. uh, And there's so many people who admire you in the online space and just everything you stand for and what you do. So I'm grateful to have you here for this conversation today. Thank you. I know it's it feels so new. I haven't done podcast interviews in forever. So it just feels all fresh and new. I'm excited. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you're a new mom. So you said she's seven and a half months at the time we're recording this. So it's been a year of a lot of changes for you, which I know we'll get to. But I'd love for you to take us back and share a little bit about what started your journey to entrepreneurship and the work that you do in the world. Mm. My journey with entrepreneurship, I mean, technically started when I was 13. I've always been very entrepreneurial. I feel like it was something I was born with almost or learned at a very young age. It would be a great avenue for me. I I loved entrepreneurship before I even knew there was a word to describe it. But it more formally began as I was leaving university and I created my first business, which was a supplement company. I was deciding whether I was going to go the management consultant route, which is where everyone was going after business school or whether I was going to do my own thing and really start from zero with all of this student debt and move back home. And that's the path that I chose. And that was more than a decade ago now, which is crazy to even say. And I did that for a few years and I learned a lot. And that that really got me into the idea of Boss Babe because as I was starting and growing this business, I felt so incredibly lonely And I realized that there really wasn't a lot of support out there for female entrepreneurs, especially in the early stage. I felt like I was just building my business off of the back of Google. And Boss Babe began as a community and slowly, you know, was born into what it is now, which is a community that helps female entrepreneurs. But it was really just me trying to get some support outside of Google for this business I created and realized there was a massive opportunity to make this bigger. And so it happened very organically, very naturally. And just saying yes to opportunities along the way. But it's I, I feel like I'm definitely a born entrepreneur. There was never like a light bulb moment of this is the path for me. It was like, oh, this is a word for what I am and what I want to do. And did you grow up with entrepreneurs around you? I didn't. I, I think that's why I didn't know what it was called. I mean, I grew up with uh, my mom as a single mom. Um, there's, I'm one of eight. You know, I grew up seeing a lot of financial scarcity. So I, I think... Part of what I learned from a very young age was resourcefulness. And I would see on TV, you know, another world out there that existed where we weren't counting how much like money it would take to put the TV on that night or pay the electricity bill. And I started to see that there was something else out there. And that really drove me, I think, in the early years of entrepreneurship. I really, really wanted to experience some financial security. The idea of financial freedom was not even on my mind. It was just, 
can I experience some financial security and do things a little bit differently to how I grew up? And I think growing up like that, it just makes you very resourceful. And for me, it just gave me this really strong drive. I was just telling my husband, because I have my grandparents here staying with me right now. And we were um, having a dinner table conversation. And I was saying to Stephen, he was like, you know, I have this idea of you being always the smartest in class. And I said to him, yeah, I always got the best grades, but I wasn't the smartest. I would just outwork everyone. Like I, I would put in more hours than anyone could even comprehend. I would go out of my way. And it did result in me getting the highest grades, but by no means made me the smartest. And I think where that came from was my upbringing. And, and now I'm in a place of trying to undo that conditioning a little bit and, and, and be in a slower space now that I don't have to hustle so hard. So it's so much of the undoing of the great things that got me to where I am. Thank you for explaining that. And I definitely want to dive into the hustle piece because I, I resonate with that and working harder and I didn't I don't think I really had a social life in college because I was just studying the whole time. And looking back, I'm like, yes, I'm proud of that and I could have had a lot more fun. You know, did I really need to stress so much and work so hard? But I'm curious to know because a lot of people see your journey and you know, you're so young, you've achieved so much and we don't always know what's happening behind the scenes. And because we've been friends for a while and I know you personally, I know some of the behind the scenes. But what what were some of the challenges or struggles, not just with Boss Babe or any, you know, any of the companies that you were building as a 20-something, what came up for you that you had to work through? Oh my goodness. Everything and anything. I feel like as a business owner, you're just dealing with fires constantly. I I would say in the last year or two, there hasn't been a lot of like business struggles because of so many learnings and so many things that we've implemented. But I would say before the last two years, I mean, it was an absolute shit show. It was just hiring the wrong people, putting the people in the wrong seats, you know, trying to scale one way and realizing it wasn't working, making the business so complex that it was just exhausting to run, trying to get back to simplicity when we'd created all this complexity, incredibly difficult. You know, in my first business, supply chain issues, financing issues, I feel like there's there's very few business challenges that I haven't had to overcome. It's been a really wild ride. And I've been definitely in a place of reflection as I think about starting another company in a place of reflection of what would I do differently this time? I was chatting with another entrepreneur a few months ago and I heard a quote, first time founders think about product, second time founders think about distribution. And I'm like, okay, third time founders think about what? That's where I'm at now. And what that kind of means is, First time you're building something, you think about what am I going to sell? What is the thing? Second time you build something, you think about, well, how am I going to sell the thing? And now I'm in the third phase, I think, and it's still very alive for me, but I think it's, it's who am I going to look to, to help me build this thing? Because of the first two times, it felt very much like that hustly grinder, you know, sitting in every single seat of the business. And as a third time founder, you know, having the I would say luxury of not having to do everything myself from the beginning is interesting and it's a realm that I'm playing in. But definitely when you just think about the product and what the product is going to be, I think you really limit yourself because you know most people can build a great product, but you know not everyone can sell it. And if you've got a great product and absolutely no customers, you don't have a business, you just have a great product. And so definitely I resonated with that with my first business, had a great product and I didn't know how to sell it. And eventually I did figure that out but so much came with that. I was like, okay, I'm selling it, but I didn't really think through distribution because I can barely finance what I'm selling. 
with Boss Babe, you know, the product had to be right, but I built an audience before I was selling. So I, I, I built a business with distribution baked in, which I think is a really powerful lesson. Yeah. And when it comes to personal challenges, what would you say in the first few businesses you had to work through, whether it was mindset wise or, you know, anything that came up for you personally? I remember hitting my, my first seven figures. I remember crossing the million dollar mark and going into deep reflection about that. Why did I hit the seven figures? What changed in me? And it wasn't a funnel. It wasn't anything like that. It was just my mindset. I think growing up the way that I grew up, you know, we had a TV where you had to put money in the back of it because we couldn't afford to buy the actual TV. You, you bought it by putting money in the back of it. And we could only watch TV if there was money in the back of it. And so I grew up very much thinking about, you know, we need money to make things happen and money's always scarce and it's difficult. And, and I was almost building businesses from that place. You know, I couldn't invest in anything because I was having to harbor and, and it was, I just wasn't in a place where I really believed that money would flow easily to me and that I really was worthy of that. And the idea of having a seven figure business, it felt like standing at the bottom of Everest and not being able to see the top and knowing that it's up there because some people have climbed there, but I'm standing there looking at it like I don't see it. It doesn't make any sense to me how I'd get there. And I shifted my mindset around, you know, not needing to do more in order to make more and not needing to work harder in order to bring in stronger results. And that I am worthy of that just because I grew up a certain way doesn't mean that I need to live my life a certain way. And all of those mindset shifts have felt like just clicked into place. Like, um, you know, we, we hear about upper limits and it was very much an upper limit. And once I'd moved past that upper limit, of course, there was more and more and more that I've always had to overcome. But I've noticed every time I've really reached a new level. It, it's been because I've been working on those upper limits, just acknowledging that they're there and thinking about what is it going to look like to move past that limit. Mm. And would you say being in the third business or the third chapter, there's a different mindset shift or a different upper limit that you're coming up against that you're moving through? Uh, I think this this limit is kind of what I talked about with the hustle mentality. So, you know, this idea of like, I'll just put in more hours. There was no one that could ever outwork me. And I don't regret that actually. And I don't think I'd be in the place that I'm in now had I not done that. And so I look back on that with so much gratitude for my former self of like, thank you for prioritizing us. Thanks for doing what you did because it has allowed me to really live a life that I like. I wake up and I pinch myself every day that this is my reality. And there's still a lot of that conditioning because I realized, okay, I got my results because I hustled. I got my results because I worked hard. Is there now a realm in which I can play where I can get those results or bigger without working so hard? And I know there is, and I'm still working on conditioning that part of me because it feels very unfamiliar. Mm, yeah. And how much of the realm you're in right now is about accessing intuition and more of, you know, what does my body need or what is my heart calling me to do? And is that a new sort of place to be in for you? Or is that something you entered in in the last few years as well? I would say everything changed when I became a mom. Um, everything changed when my daughter was born. And when I go back to it, you know, over the past couple of years, there was changes that I wanted to make. And there was, 
you know, some uh, what I would call courageous decisions that needed to be made. And I almost shied away from making them and shoved them down and told myself like I didn't, I didn't need to make them right. I didn't need to rock the boat. I didn't need to make any big changes. Things are going well. Why would I do that? And just, just experiencing what I experienced in my birth, you know, they say birth is a portal. You go in, you know, when you birth this human being and, and part of you dies in that room. And really that's what I experienced. And when I reflect on the lessons that I learned in that, I would call portal, one of them was I get to advocate for myself a lot more and I get to do it without worrying how it's going to make someone else feel. I think I grew up in a way that I was trying to be peacemaker a lot of the time. You know, there was a lot of chaos, a lot of conflict happening around me. And I, although I'm an eight on the Enneagram and I can be very direct, there's also the peacemaker element of me. If I, I never really want to rock the boat. Like I don't want to, um, I don't want someone to be upset as a result of anything I say or do. And learning that actually their response has nothing to do with me and being able to accept that on a deeper level, because logically it makes sense, but, you know, somatically it's a different story. Accepting that and being willing to advocate for myself has led me to make those decisions now that I probably should have made earlier. And so now I'm in a place of, I wouldn't say it's more heart-led, because I feel like I've kind of always been very gut-led, but more in a place of really leaning into and leading with my truth. And being okay with, let's call it the fallout of that. Do you want to up-level every area of your life? Do you want to achieve more success, joy, and abundance? If so, head on over to iheartmylife.com go and check out everything we have going on to support you in creating a life that's better than your dreams. So let's chat about motherhood because we've kind of skirted around it a little bit, but that's one of the things I'm most excited (laughs) to talk to you about. Um, And obviously it's fresh on my mind and I know it's fresh for you as well. And so I'm, I'm honoring that. And I know that we're both still kind of in it to a certain degree, me very much so. Um, And so I'm not expecting this conversation to like give people all the answers in the world, but I think there's so much power in the real and the raw and one of the things that I really admire about you and that I've always thought about, or at least the last few years, is I remember you telling me that your mom like had amazing pregnancies and you have such a beautiful sort of um, memory of her being pregnant. And so you didn't have these, um, or at least you didn't tell me that you had them, these nervous feelings going into pregnancy like I definitely did. And I didn't even know if I wanted to be pregnant. I had all these preconceived notions about what it would mean and what it would do for the business and all the things. And I often thought about you saying, well, you know, I can't wait to be pregnant. It's going to be incredible. And I tried to kind of channel that for myself. So I'm curious to know, take us back a few months. What was that experience of pregnancy like for you? And then ultimately going into the birth as you started to describe. So I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. And when you have that, it can often mean that you have difficulty getting pregnant. So I kind of accepted that would be part of my journey, but it was the exact opposite. So I got pregnant very, very quickly. And I'm so incredibly grateful for that. And can't say I loved pregnancy, to be quite honest with you. I was so sick up until week 17. And that's a very difficult thing to go through on your mental health, I think you know, feeling nauseous 24 seven, just not getting a break. I felt like I was on this ayahuasca journey that I couldn't get out of. It was challenging. Um, and I was running a very 
successful business, managing a huge team while doing that. And I, I barely took any time off and I'm not wearing that as a badge of honor because I sure as hell would do things differently next time around. I got into my second trimester and I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoyed seeing my bump grow and starting to feel my baby. And then as I got into the third trimester, my baby was Frank Breach. She was in a really uncomfortable position. And, you know, past 34 weeks, I was really struggling to walk. I felt just exhausted. I, you know, walking even for a couple of minutes was so incredibly painful. And I just felt really limited by that. It was forcing me to slow down, which for someone that's like, this high achieving go, go, go person. It was really challenging. And again, I was still running this, you know, a really successful business. I executed two multiple seven figure launches while I was pregnant. And I think part of me, if I get really honest with myself, wanted to prove to myself that I could do it. I wanted to prove to myself that I could be pregnant and I could still kill it at work. And now that I look back on it, you know, I don't have regrets, but I look back and think, okay, I would do things a little bit differently next time. So I have nothing to prove to anybody. And, you know, I think I had this feeling of, well, I'm going to let down my team. I'm going to let down my co-founder. I'm going to let down my clients if I step back, step away, slow down. And ultimately didn't advocate for myself and like what I was really feeling. And so just taught me a lot. And it taught me how incredibly resilient and powerful we are as women. I think there's nothing like being pregnant and seeing your body do do what it does just so effortlessly. It's incredible. And I have never had so much deep love and admiration and respect and gratitude for myself than coming out of that process. So amazing. And thank you for being so honest about that. And when you look back, like you said, you were trying to prove something um, in hindsight. Were there any moments where you literally couldn't do anymore and you had to surrender? And if so, what was that like for you? Not really. I mean, I, I feel like those moments I probably shouldn't have pushed myself so hard, but there was never a moment where I felt like, okay, I can't do this. I was able to get through it. But it just, it felt challenging to wake up feeling so exhausted. Like pregnancy insomnia hit me so much. And I felt like I couldn't nap during the day. I was just so lethargic, so exhausted. And it just felt really challenging. And I think what didn't help was I was resisting the feeling. And like they say, what you resist persists. I didn't just accept that I was exhausted. And I, you know, I could just take a break from work. I could slow down. I could lay on the sofa during like whatever it was. I almost didn't accept that. And so I think resisting it just made it feel even more challenging for me. Yeah. And then you mentioned the birth really being a pivotal moment for you, obviously. What happened there? You know, again, I don't mean to pry and you can share whatever you feel comfortable sharing, but I love how you described it as a portal and such a transformative moment. Yeah. Well, I'll definitely give a trigger warning now for anyone that might be squeamish or has had a traumatic birth. You might not want to listen to the next few minutes. Um, So I just want to put that out there. I don't want this to trigger anything for you. Um, So I had a scheduled cesarean because my baby was Frank Breach. And when I went in, my anesthesia didn't work. So I went through the whole procedure without anesthesia, which I need to tell you how challenging that was. In that moment, I just you know, I, I, I didn't think it was physically possible to keep going. And, and we got through it. We got through it without needing to go under. 
um, which was kind of the goal of my doctor once he'd gotten started. It wasn't until he made the incision that he realized, or we all realized that the anesthesia hadn't worked. And at that point until the baby was out, there's very little we could do, but he was incredible throughout the whole process. And I've done a lot of, a lot of work on that because I was left with a lot of trauma after that. And I think some PTSD from just everything that went on and what subsequently then went on once the baby was born, you know, not getting to hold her, seeing her being taken away, tubes being placed down her throat. It was just very challenging. But what I realized from that, I think, you know, things happen for us, not to us. And I really feel firstly that it happened for me so I could see how strong and capable my body was. You know, I, I had no idea. I, if you'd asked me before that, I would say I would never be able to get through that. No, my pain tolerance is so low. There's no way, you know, I was the mama that was like, give me the epidural. I want like, I was that person where I was going through and I'm like, holy shit, if I can get through that, there's throw it at me. There's nothing I can't do. And beyond that, you know, I had a feeling that it wasn't working when they put my catheter in, they said it shouldn't hurt. And it absolutely did. And I had really, I was doing a lot of work on calming myself because I was freaking terrified. It's the first like medical procedure I'd ever had. And I was going to meet my daughter. So many things mixed into one. I was meditating. I was doing a lot of things to calm me down. And I was, you know, saying to them, hey, I don't think this is working, but I didn't really advocate for myself. I was saying it in a very calm voice from a very calm place. And I think probably to them, they were like, oh, you know, a lot of people say that if it was really that painful, you'd be making it known, which of course, a few minutes later I did but at that point there's nothing that could happen and and what I really took away from that was that I do get to advocate for myself more and I get to use my voice and yeah I think there was kind of this feeling of you know staying calm would be a superpower and then in that moment it wasn't and you know I've realized that staying calm isn't always a superpower you know there's we have a full range of emotions for a reason and so it taught me a lot And now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm really grateful that I was able to learn so much from my experience. Would it have been nice to have a different experience? Absolutely. And I can't change that now. It's happened. So I'm, I'm always learning new things from it every time I go back and revisit what happened. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't even know what to say to that. I I can't believe that you were able to experience that and I mean, I don't even know what to say. I've heard from quite a few women who have had challenging births that there was a moment where they knew something was wrong. And it's interesting. They all said, I wish I would have spoken up. Mm -hmm. I wish I would have been honest about what I was experiencing in that moment. And that's been one of their biggest lessons. And also feeling like, you know, their body was giving them signs and yet they were kind of squashing that down and, you know, trying to make the most of it or calm themselves or whatever it was. And so I'm so grateful that you shared that story because that is a lesson, regardless of the scenario, for all of us to remember that we can be advocates and we need to be advocates for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I, I've heard this many times. And now that I've, you know, started to share with people my story, I've heard of a couple of other women going through something similar, which is crazy. It's crazy that these things happen, but they do. Yeah, that's what I was curious to know how often that actually happens. I've never yeah, heard of I mean, it. Maybe if anyone's listening and it's happened to them, reach out and tell me <laughs> because I'm very curious. So I can only imagine, you know, how the recovery was for you. Like you said, it wasn't just physical, it was also mental. So once you and your daughter were able to be home and be together, 
what was that experience for you? What is that initial, what did that initial chapter teach you or show you? It was challenging. It really was. I was in hospital for a week and just because of the way things had went, my recovery was really challenging. I couldn't get up out of bed myself and I just needed help doing really everything, which is someone that's always been very independent. It was very mentally challenging as well. And then getting home, you know, kind of similar. I just was in a lot of physical pain as well as mentally, I just kept breaking down. I just kept having really graphic flashbacks of everything that happened. And I developed what I think is postpartum anxiety and depression. I think probably a lot of it down to that experience. And then I'm sure other postpartum things mixed into it, but it was really challenging. And it's, and it wasn't just like a couple of weeks. This was, this went on for quite a few months afterwards. And even now, I would say that's not fully gone. The the depression definitely is, but the anxiety is not. And I do, I I have experiences of it that fewer and far between, but they still exist. And that's just something that I'm learning to work with as I'm healing and having patience with myself. But it was very challenging, you know. In this, uh, in the, there was like two truths. The the one truth was, I'm so incredibly in love with this little girl, and I never. I never want to have her off of my chest. I just wanted to be with her 24-7 and I was so in love. And the other truth was that I was so in pain, both physically and mentally and, you know, in this whirlwind of what just happened. How did that happen? You know, and it was just very challenging. And I feel like I'd go in into... I, I could look at my daughter and be so in love, but then I was so numb to every other area of my life. It's so It's so difficult to explain. There was almost this rain cloud dark cloud over me and the only thing I was really feeling was my love for her which I'm very grateful was there because I know that's not always every woman's experience with postpartum and anxiety and depression but I slowly started to do things that helped me that got me from that place I do think taking my placenta helped so my doula actually took my placenta and encapsulated it and I didn't take it until maybe two or three months postpartum, but I did notice a difference when I was taking it. I started to do things like cold plunging and it sounds very drastic, but it actually was really refreshing because it brought me back into my body. And I think I was disassociating from my body a lot in that, in that moment. And so I was doing things like cold plunging. I was starting to carve out time for myself to go wash my hair and like take a shower and not be rushing, you know, taking my supplements, like trying to go on walks and getting fresh air as much as I can. If I could do it every day or every couple of days, it would help. There's just these little moments, these little things that I would do that would show me that like, it was like creaking the window open to like a different, like a different experience, like happiness or not feeling this crazy anxiety in my body or not having these flashbacks. It just felt really good. And so I just kept trying to do more and more of that. And surely enough that window just kept cracking open more and more and more and now I feel I'm like at the other side of it and every now and then I there's a window crack going back into the experience I was in but it's a lot fewer and far between now Mm. and how did that affect your relationship with Stephen you know in the beginning me and Stephen our relationship was just really rock solid because we were almost in this bubble we'd been through this experience together he was present for all of it and I think both of us were just kind of like shell-shocked and and there for each other but I would say after the first couple of months of that we then I think started experiencing a lot of the challenges that new parents do with with parenthood of you know 
Is there fairness in the rules? Do we agree with how we're showing up? We're exhausted. We're sleep deprived. Are we really being as kind to each other as we can be? And we had to really get intentional about how we were with each other because it's very easy, I think, when you're sleep deprived to be short with people or to not want to communicate and engage. And we had to be really intentional about that so that we were able to get into a good place in our relationship again. Yeah. Thank you for explaining that. So for me, you know, like I said, I'm not, I haven't experienced birth yet. And so I'm not on the other side, but the biggest shift for me so far has been the shift in identity. And I know that I shared this with you months ago at the very beginning, and we have had a lot of, you know, ebbs and flows and changes within our, in our company over the last few years anyway. And I know that I've shared this with you and I've shared on the podcast Um, And so it's been really interesting to see what pregnancy has done to force, but also inspire me to continuously make changes and really tune into what my mission is all about, what I'm excited by, what actually matters. Because I think so often when you think about this child, or at least for me, I'm like, you know what, like the rest of this doesn't even matter. Like I don't even care. And that's so weird for somebody who is like very attached to their mission and their vision to think about even just like putting it to the side and not giving it the full attention and um, just shifting. And so I'm curious to know if you experienced any of that and what has that, what has kind of transpired from that if you have? Yeah, um, I experienced all of that. I feel like my priorities shifted completely before having a baby. I feel like my ambition was tied to achievement. It was tied to goals. Like I had a why and that was to, you know, support female entrepreneurs. And, you know, all of that was dialed in. And when my daughter came along, it was very much just, you know, my, my, my first why my, my deepest priority is for her and the life that I'm giving to her and how I'm able to show up for her. And really everything else started kind of shifting from that perspective because the the way I see it when I'm at work is time that I could be spending with her. And I love to spend time with her. And so if I'm doing something, if I'm working on something, it has to really excite me and light me up. And I kind of see it as, you know, you have a cup and I don't want to be at the end of the day spending time with her with a completely empty cup because she's not getting the best of me. So if I'm doing the kind of work that just feels like I'm pouring out from my cup. You know, I start the day with a full cup and I'm pouring out from my cup all day long, or I have a sleep deprived night and I'm starting the day with half a cup, let's say. Um, I don't want to then at the end of the day be, be giving to her from a place of nothing. I want to be giving to her from a place of a full cup. And so I've really restructured my work and my life to support me in that so that I do feel really lit up and excited by what I'm doing. And, you know, I'm spending a lot more time with her than quite frankly, I thought I would want to. Like, if I'm being totally honest, I didn't know what it was going to be like to have a baby. And I thought, you know, I'd be okay working normal hours and seeing her mornings and nights. And it's been a different experience for me. And I know everyone's experience is different, but I love to spend, you know, my entire days with her. I I didn't know that I wanted to breastfeed. And right now I can't even imagine stopping. I love it. And I think, you know, you didn't ask for advice, but I would say advice that I do have is being so open-minded about all of, all of those possibilities and not judging anything that might come because you might find that you really want to spend a load of time with her, with, with a baby. And you might feel like you want to spend 
little time. Like there's no right or wrong. Um, breastfeeding might be great, might not be. There's just no right or wrong. And I, one thing that I'm glad I did was going into it with an, a really open mind and didn't make any of it wrong. And the more that I found myself loving, it just created more joy for me. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I feel like because of women like you, even conversations I've had with um, my sister-in-law, she in particular found that breastfeeding was really challenging on her mental health. And so she choose, chose not to go that route. So I just feel like I have an open mind. If it works, great. If not, that's okay too. And we have we have the little machine that makes the bottles if we need it. We have formula. We have the breast pumps. We have all of it. And so we'll just see how it goes. So I appreciate that perspective. And for the woman who is, you know, I know that you you are always going to have passion for work in the world, whatever that looks like. But now, like you said, you found yourself wanting to spend more time with your daughter. What does it look like for you to restructure your day? Um, what are some of the tangibles that you've put in place? I would say I'm, say I'm still figuring that piece out. Yeah. Um, right now, my schedule is very unscheduled. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really not doing meetings or many things like that. I'm just keeping my days open and I create when I feel like creating and I hop on meetings when I feel like hopping on meetings. And it just feels very in flow for me right now. And so I'm still figuring it out and figuring out what feels good. But right now what feels good is just a really empty calendar. And so talk to us about CEO Mama, because I know that's something that you created for yourself, much like back in the day when you created Boss Babe because you wanted that community. You didn't want it to be all about figuring things out via Google. So what mm-hmm. is CEO Mama? Yeah. So I, when I was, um, you know, in the throes of postpartum, like three months post-birth, I really was feeling so incredibly isolated and lonely because I was having these feelings of like, do I even want to go back to work or do I want to change the way my work looks? And also like, what are you doing about, you know, baby eczema and teething and all these, I had all these questions about all of it. And I ended up putting together kind of like an informal mastermind with a, a few friends of mine that are also super ambitious and um, our brand new moms had babies around the same time as me. And those calls just changed all of our lives. I think we just had this place we could come and cry and be vulnerable and real. And we kind of felt like there wasn't a place for us and that was the place for us. And so that kind of extrapolated from there. And I wanted to create more of that place. And so I created a mastermind. It's called CEO Mama and it's for, you know, seven, eight, nine figure entrepreneurial women who are in early motherhood. You know, they have kids, babies under 10, and we're in this together and we're doing it together. And I launched it very, just, I just put it out there just if anyone was interested and it filled up instantly. So we aren't actually currently taking any, anyone on right now. Um, maybe that will change in the future, but it's been amazing. And it just feels like, feels like I would be doing it, you know, just for fun anyway. I'm doing it. It feels like I, I've got this peer group around me of women that are in the same stage as me. And we get to talk about the identity pieces, the the change in ambition, the new ambition, the different ambition, um, motherhood, relationships, all of it. And it feels like a really safe space to do that. So I, yeah, if, uh, I, and I'm really not attached to whatever it grows into be either. I have no plans to make this a huge thing. Like, you know, like I said, we're not selling anything right now. I, I don't know that we, we will, but it just right now feels like something that didn't exist. And I'm glad that I got to create it. And what part of you, you said a part of you may have died, you know, during birth. And I'm curious to know what part of that was that and has it been replaced with something else? 
Are you a new person? Yes. And I feel like it's still too early for me to even be able to encapsulate what part of me that was because I'm still navigating it. I feel like I'm, I, I, the way I describe it is almost like I'm not a new person, but I'm different. I'm more me than I've ever been. Almost the me that got forgotten. So it's like, it's been like a remembrance of coming home to myself and it's still so hard to put into words. So maybe we'll do this in a year's time and I'll have, I'll have some words of wisdom for you. But right now I'm still navigating all of that. Well, I love that you said that because I think, you know, there's the whole bounce back mentality, whether it's your body or, you know, who you were before baby, but that's not actually how it works. And it's such an evolution and it's day by day and not putting any pressure on yourself to have it all figured out this second. Um, So I love that. I think that's perfect. Yeah. I mean, it takes us, you know, nine, 10 months to grow a baby and we expect ourselves to bounce back. I think that's crazy. I feel like I speak to moms and they're like, yeah, that's firstly, you're never going to be the same again. But secondly, it's going to take a hell of a lot longer than a few months or a year or whatever. And it's, it's a process that we have to have so much patience with and grace with. And so I'm still, still learning that. Yeah. Beautiful. So where can people find you if they want to experience your wisdom and follow along for the journey? Yeah, they can find me on Instagram at I am Natalie. And then on YouTube, just type in Natalie Ellis. Amazing. So the final question we ask all of our guests on the I Heart My Life show is what is one way that people can create a life that far exceeds their expectations and is better than their dreams? I would say be willing to take steps in a general direction before you even figure out the exact vision. I think a lot of people hold themselves back because they feel like they need to have the exact vision mapped out so they know exactly where they're walking towards, what they're, you know, aiming for. And I think actually just taking steps in a general direction is a lot better than sitting waiting for the perfect vision to unfold in front of you. Because I think it's through taking action and taking opportunities and saying yes or saying no that actually shapes the vision and shows us what we really want. Mm, So good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story so vulnerably, such a recent part of your story. Um, So grateful to have your wisdom and to have you in my life as such an inspiring fellow mom, as well as business owner, um, doing all the things. And I'm just excited to see what happens in the next chapter. Likewise. I'm so excited for your next chapter. I can't wait to talk to you about it. It's going to be everything. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Thanks, Natalie. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the I Heart My Life show. Now do us a favor and tell people about this episode. It's truly our duty to make sure that the I Heart My Life movement is spread far and wide. The truth is life can be challenging, but it is possible for all women to love themselves and their lives. And while you're at it, send a link to this episode to three of your friends today, or maybe even post it on social media. Use the hashtag IHurtMyLifeShow. That's hashtag IHurtMyLifeShow. And if you'd like to help me personally, then please rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us some stars, cheer us on, and leave a review because believe it or not, that stuff actually really does help. And I read all of them. Please remember everything you desire is meant for you and possible. Keep showing up, taking action, and believing in your dreams.